This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, the best independent sports podcast on the planet, is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. Panko Chicken is the home of the best Japanese American chicken tender, and it continues to rack up the awards in Atlanta, winning the 2019 Super Bowl Live Top Sling Vendor Award, multiple best selling tastes at the Taste of Atlanta Awards in 2017 and 2018, and even the best fried chicken award at the 2018 ATL Fest. Panko is all about connecting cultures, cultivating happiness, one chicken tender at a time. I love Panko, their family, and I can't thank them enough for their support of this podcast. It it just it means a lot. And um, yeah, so go to their Midtown location, their Tucker location, and all their future locations as they take over Atlanta because they're family. And I love them. And I couldn't be more excited to see more and more locations pop up and all of that um, that goes with it. So go to, go to Panko, get some chicken, get some rice, get some beer. There's all kinds of great stuff. Um, whatever you want, Panko Chicken has it. So go do that. Um, also, go to chasethomaspodcast.com. I am uh, I'm writing my ass off there uh, these days. So go do that. Read my stuff. You can get access to all of my previous episodes. You can buy my merch. You can learn more about just why I do what I do and why I believe I'm going to get where I want to go. Um, this is my dream, this, uh, this sports media thing. And um, you were going to see me on ESPN one day or Sports Illustrated or Fox Sports or DAZN or whoever um, because I'm not going to quit. I am, I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep grinding. I'm going to keep punching out episodes, writing articles, and just outworking everyone because I just, I just want this more and I believe my product and I believe in where I'm going. Um, we're over 300 episodes strong and this is what I want. Uh, there will be no slowing down, took a break, but this is, uh, this is my jam and this is what I want. This is my passion. And, uh, yeah. So leave a rating, Leave a review on iTunes. It means a lot. Share my articles on Twitter, Facebook, wherever. Um, and join me as I keep climbing the ladder and all that because I I just I need your support. So if you like the podcast, keep listening, keep subscribing, tell tell your friends, keep sharing it out, keep reading my work. And uh yeah, so okay. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Good morning. Welcome to a Saturday morning edition 
of the Chase Thomas podcast on the other line right now of the Athletic Dallas. Mike, Pelucci. that's me. Mike, good morning. How are you? It's it's been so long. This is like two. I, I, last time I was on the podcast, it was two jobs ago. So uh, it's been a minute. Mm. Yeah. yeah. How is everything at the Athletic? Uh, it is it is lovely. Um, we are getting subscribers. I don't know if you've seen the news, but that's a, that's the thing we do here. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. it's good. It's great people. It's uh, it's very cool to be a part of this thing. And I am one small part of a gigantic ship here in Dallas, but I love it and awesome people. And uh, and yeah, how are you, man? It's it's been a little while. Before when I was on last, Kofi Kingston was just a dream in my mind of being champion. And then and then I foresaw it into reality. I didn't foresee Samoa Joe as you know the Universal Champion. We won't talk about that part. We'll just talk mm. about Kofi Kingston. Imagined. Right into now uh, a multi um, long, what are we on? Like month five and a half of Kofi Kingston WWE champion. Is it? What What are we? August? No, it's like, it's, it's, it's four. It's about to be right? September. Well, so yeah. it was, it's early April or mid April. One's yeah, mania. Like it's mid April. Yeah. All right. So we're like month four, which to be fair, mm. like I was kind of, this is longer than like, I thought it would go. I was, yeah. I mean, my, my whole idea was like, this could be essentially a Christopher Daniels ROH title reign, which is kind of like, you know, the chase is the point and then they're not going to sustain this and pass it on somebody else and sort of like a pat on mm-hmm. the back, like a good job, like a Christian title reign at WWE, uh, you know, Man. history. Right. Um, but this is that no was longer brutal. as like one of the biggest Christian marks in, uh, in the yeah, world it, that, that, that it, was, that was killer. Yeah. That was a bummer. Uh, but this is a good feud. Was, Great matches. This, I love that feud. And also guess what? It involves Randy Orton because anything, um, <laughs> he's the Kevin Bacon of the, Randy Orton. Yeah. <laughs> He's the Kevin Bacon of pro wrestling. It's true. Uh huh. Um, did I say was I the one who was pitting, like who was uh, pining against the idea that uh, Samoa Joe was ever actually going to win a Universal Title or World Title? No, title? yeah, you, I feel like it was. Yeah, you you were with both. Um, and okay. you, to be fair, you could be very right. And you know, on Samoa Joe, I still think there's a chance down the road. They keep you know giving oh, him spots. Hey, listen, like, look, I'm not saying this for everyone, right? Like when we talk about the uh-huh. King of the Ring and we discuss Samoa Joe going for Cesaro, I love Cesaro so much. He's one of my probably five favorite WWE wrestlers comfortably. Right now? His character is the same character he's always had, which is that he rules and he'll never get a push. That's the character. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm, and my point being, like, I think I'm it's also throwing... Sami Zayn and Dolph Ziggler's character, but continue. Yeah, potentially. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> I, and I, and I, and I love Sami Zayn too, but I'm not going to go out here and say, uh, you know, oh yeah, Cesaro, like I could see them giving a title reign. Like as much as I think he deserves it, it's never going to happen. The Kofi thing, I was like, there's a way this could work that I think they can make money off of. And they figured it out. The Samoa Joe thing, I think like as a, as a, you know, evil heel thing, they could do that. Uh, I don't think they're going to see a path for Cesaro to do it, which is a real bummer. Yeah. Um, Cesaro is just in a weird spot right now. And and then they gave him the weird Aleister Black kind of rub, and now Aleister Black has disappeared again. But mm-hmm. um, I don't think they have any idea what to do with him. And it's tough because he's, like, such a great hand. And he's just, like, someone they always have in their back pocket, but they're also never going to pull the trigger on him. But also, like, what is his character? Is he just, like, a Jason Statham but you, type? Yeah, I, but I you know what, though? Like, he always, I mean, at least in the past, he always managed to get over because like, mm-hmm. that's, that's the hypocrisy of the company. They're like, just get over, figure out a way to get over. The dude got over. So, I mean, he was red hot on like three different occasions as a single and every time they killed it. And even on Monday wrestling Joe, that the crowd was into that. 
he was getting it. Mm-hmm. And despite the fact that like we don't know what Cesaro's character is or what his motivation is, and his new gear and his theme music are probably like the worst gear and theme music he's had since being there, he's still he's just so good that people get excited about it. And so it's kind of like, you know, the rules don't necessarily apply. Like we could sit here and say, well, what's his character? Well, when he's had a character, like, I mean, they paired him with Heyman and he was the King of Swing. And I was like, this would be great. He had a cool jacket. I don't remember the King of Swing jacket. I was like, I do. this is all, this, I was like, this is all a good look. And then they took him away from Heyman, but then he got really hot again. Like that match they had with Cena for the U S title and the main event of raw, like that crowd was nuclear. And they didn't put him over because, of course, it didn't. And that went away. And then they put him with Sheamus, which, to be fair, that started as like a thing great. about, hey, yeah, yeah, that, and that was great. And that was the thing where it was just like, we don't know what to do with these two. Let's just let them wrestle seven times and we're not going to have a winner, but they'll tag together and just go with it. And then they became one of the best heel tag teams in the last like five years. So every yeah. time the guy makes it work and every time, you know, this whole thing of just get over and get a reaction, he does it. And then they still don't give him a freaking push. It's ridiculous. Who's the I mean, really, if like, look, now. I'm not even thinking. Seamus gone forever, probably. Who who's the guy? Who would you partner probably. with now? You know what the answer is. I mean, and this is very well, you smarky, know what but what is Cassius Ono doing? Why not just bring oh, him up? And oh, re- I'm, oh, I'm right there with you. But here's what the thing, the though. Like, like, he's doing nothing. Just bring him up. In, and... a, I think he's in NXT UK, right? That's where, he, that's where they put him? Okay, so nothing. Um... <laughs> so here's what I think. Like, Oh, look, they can always put him in another tag team. I think, like, legitimately at this point, he's proven he is one of the best tag wrestlers in WWE in the last 20 right. years, right? So you can – he's like Nate Dogg. You can always put him as the guest verse on a single, and the single's going to blow up. That's not the point. <laughs> sure. that's, not the, that's not the point. And by the way, we, I'm, I'm totally rolling with Bizarro as Nate Dogg from now on. But that's mm-hmm. not the point. Like, really, here's what the man should be doing. Like, the whole point of the Intercontinental title has always been put it on one of the best workers and just let them work TV every week and do great matches. What, especially given that they don't have any plans for that damn belt and they give it to Nakamura again and like, sure, the U.S. title reign went so well last time. Let's give him a belt. Why is, why has Cesaro never been Intercontinental champion? Just give him the belt. Give him 20 minutes Wait, of SmackDown every week. No. He's been U.S. champion. He's been tag champion a bunch of times. He's never been IC champ. I don't even know mm. if he's been in an IC title feud. So, what and brand especially, is he on? Do we know? <laughs> I think he's supposed to be raw, right? Okay. Um, so, sure. when, and we'll, when we talk, which maybe this is our segue to talk about the King of the Ring stuff, but like the no, thing that jumps out to me about something. those, yeah. what's that? Yeah. So when we're I look at that, those yeah. brackets, those brackets look very much tilted. Like man, like the raw side of it is pretty solid, and that SmackDown side looks like they need one more guy. And like when you have a when you have a a Chad Gable, Sheldon Benjamin first round matchup. You need somebody else. So freaking put Cesaro on SmackDown. Wait, can, we, can we say something about Chad Gable real quick? I'm a Chad Gable guy. Don't get me wrong. I'm just, I just he's never been dead been in the water. Chad Gable guy. He was great this week, and he was actually presented as close to a big deal as he's ever been presented on television. And yeah. even though they made the joke with Sheldon Benjamin and the height stuff, like he actually looked like someone that I'm like, oh. I can see this now. It looks a little bit clearer. I, he's just not a comedy goof. Being away from Robert Roode and all that kind of stuff helps. But, like, I could see it. Because it's amazing, like, how presentation matters just so much in professional wrestling. But, like, mm-hmm. his presentation has changed. And it's really just him wearing, like, a suit and using his little comedy stuff, a haircut. Like, he is suddenly far more intriguing in this tournament than I thought he would be. Yeah, it's just kind of a bummer that, like this is what it took to get him there. Because like, I've, mm-hmm. I remember that guy, like 
when he first started in NXT and like, you know, he was trying to get a, you know, a tag partner, right. And trying to recruit Jason Jordan to tag with him. And even like then you could just kind of tell he had this charisma about him and you knew he could wrestle, yeah. right? I mean, he has a huge amateur background and then you saw it in the ring and clearly they know he knows what he's doing. And I kept thinking like when him and Jordan are tagging together, I was like, Oh my God, like, you know, Gable is going to be the proverbial Michaels and Jordan is going to be the proverbial Trinetti. And instead, like, they kept pushing Jason Jordan until he couldn't wrestle anymore. Uh, yeah, for reasons I don't. That? that just, we, like, yeah, every week I, we were getting a new update on, like, maybe, maybe. And then I, it's I like it, he, the thing, the nerve damage in his hand or whatever, gripping uh, stuff. And then he's just been uh, gone for a year. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I feel like this is probably like the, like, nobody's formally said Seamus isn't wrestling anymore, but, like, I feel like Seamus yeah. isn't wrestling anymore. So they just stopped reporting. Uh, They're like, I guess he's done. So we can just stop yeah, uh, getting this Yeah. Clips. So, so I feel like, I mean, even watching him then, I was like, okay. This dude had charisma, like even dating back to the whole Randy William Gable thing. I was like, this is working better than that as a right to work. He clearly knows what he's doing in the ring. Like, I'm not saying this guy is going to be made of a guy, but like this dude could be something. And it's taken, what was that, four years ago? So now we've taken this very circuitous WWE, you know, WWE-centric route of finally getting him back to some measure of relevance and respect, which is basically what we're all hoping for from Sadie Zane. So... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like, I'm with you. Like I care about that match more than I ever thought I would. So that's a victory. Um, you know, even if Gable just wins one match in this thing and goes under, cause I think what the winner of that wrestles buddy Murphy or is buddy Murphy on the other side of that. Buddy Murphy's on the SmackDown side. Well, right. But they're on the SmackDown side too. I'm trying to think whoever wins that match. Oh, who the wrestling that's right. Um, is it Andrade? I thought it was buddy Andrade or maybe no, 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 it's Elias and Andrade who are advancing. So one of them, yeah. I think Elias is facing Murphy and I think Andrade is facing the winner of Gable, yeah. Benjamin. Yeah. So I feel like, I feel like this feels along the lines of a Gable win and then Andrade goes over Gable. That's, that's my guess. Um, what I would I mean, do, and I don't know if they're going to do it. Um, and it was a really stinker on raw this week, Cedric versus, um, Sammy. Why am I blanking? Sammy. Yeah. That was yeah. just, it could have been a lot better and it, it needed more time, but it just wasn't good. And at least Sammy got some offense in, but it was just not what it needed to be. Um, but it's just like, was, what is the, yeah. I mean, it's just like, what is the end game for this? Like basically they're having Sammy do like Dolph Ziggler's thing about like, right. he's kind of already been passed by, except like it took five years of Dolph Ziggler getting chances and never getting over from to get to this point. I feel like Sammy's been hurt for like a third of his time in the main roster hasn't had things to do. And so now already we're going to, he's washed up, which is like insane because he's one of the best pro wrestlers in the planet. And going, he's washed up. I think it's just more of like, he's, I don't know. It, it's because Ziggler isn't washed up either. Like he's having these great one-on-one matches against Roman Reigns every week. He's, he's like he is, going they, hard and they're presenting him as a worthy foe. And if you listen to the commentary, it's clear that the company still wants you to believe that Dolph Ziggler is at the top of his game. He's just, someone who can't win the big one he's like dirk before the 2011 title that's what he is <laughs> i guess but like i mean you know dirk uh, as somebody from dallas that's very hurtful i know that was, that was dirk. yes mm-hmm. yeah you listen just because you're on the losing end of that luka Doncic trade doesn't mean you have to go low that's that's god that, you know, damn take, it take the high road god face. damn high it road. why <laughs> these people by, by the fire way with fire what's that it's unbelievable the the juice like i you know what's funny? So I love the Dunked On Basketball podcast, and this is just a side tangent oh, because you brought up Luca, and they uh, both gave the the Hawks uh, D pluses for their offseason, trading up for Hunter um, Reddish, who is just Jeff Green two point to me, 
and then just doubling down on this group and thinking that they have their core and like it's the inverse of what Sam Hinkie wanted in that like you should keep taking bites of the apple until you're sure you have a top five guy because those are the ones who ultimately matter and mm-hmm. I still think Luca is going to be a top five guy in this league and they punted on that and Trey's probably like a top 15 to top 20 guy and they are now doubling down on this group that kind of resembles that 2016 Hawks team that won 60 games and had no shot at the title like they're going to be in the playoffs for years and years they're going to be fun they're going to have great moments but this is they've now got all this cap space for next year where there's no good free agents and their only good one that made sense was the guy who really wanted Draymond Green and Travis Schlink in Golden State and now he's off the market there's nobody for them to pay and it's just they're going to overpay for someone like they let Deadman go and that's Alex Lentz back like they shouldn't have paid that I mean, off season but Hawks paid. fans are so excited I'm like what are you crazy pills everybody oh, crazy pills oh oh I mean come on man like look it's the early 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 stages of this thing they like to sit there and say that you know exactly no they're screwed they are absolutely screwed because they have, they, look, there's they no have, more spots do- it's over they're going to be too good. They over. are out. They are out of the best lottery position. Like they might be a playoff team this year. Like it's over. They might this be, is but, their core. but they have, they have, okay. But they have this core that you were talking about is a bunch of young guys who are good on movable contracts. You can always like, you could sit there and wait for Bradley Beal to get pissed off at Washington and say, I'm now out. you're talking my and, language. If the goal is to get these guys good enough to trade for a star, then I'm in. There you go. Then right. I'm in. Well, but don't tell like, me that this is a core is, worth building around. Cause this core sucks. I I, oof, oof, <laughs> fire there. I mean, that, that team that won 60 games like a few years ago, that was all veteran dudes in their late 20s and early right. 30s. These guys are all early 20s. I don't think you could claim to know what the strategy is going to be Absolutely. in terms of are they all it's staying around podcast, or not. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It is your show. That is why we, we diverted. The wrestling fans are like, guys, please stop. But here we are. We're going. Well, We're going to be fair, NBA is basically professional wrestling now with entrances. Like players literally get their own entrances. With their their clothing and style it's and their, like the personalities, it it's very pro wrestling influenced. I think. I guess. I mean, it's interesting. I can think about this. I, I can I can noodle on this. But now I'm just wondering, like, if you know somebody's going to just pump a ton of cash in the Euro League and try to make them the AEW to uh, the NBA WWE. But Nick Lemieux is just jumping ship. He's like John Moxley. It could be a thing. Oh, poor Moxley, man. Yeah, that sucks. That's really just big brutal. I, I will say though that like. If you have to make lemonade with your lemons, then having pa- having Pac versus Omega is a pretty yeah. Great you feel guilty surprise. that you're like, oh, this is much better, and you're like, oh, but like it's <laughs> under the circumstances, it's bad, but like I want this more anyway. Like you, it's it's a weird mix of emotions. It's complicated. Uh, it is very complicated. Um, but yes, King of the Ring. Any any bigger any bigger picture oh, thoughts yes. I'll just draw. Um, I'm not um, a fan of the Sami Zayn thing any more than you are, but that's where we are with that guy right now. Um, well, like I, when I write down my notes for this kind of stuff and like winners and losers, and I think about what the point of King of the Ring is, I think it's also dumb. Like if you look at the G1 climax, I think it's cool to have that just carrot at the end of this tournament where it's like, Hey, they are going to get a title shot. Now you're seeing the stuff with Nido and everything. But like, I think King of the Ring is potentially like i would use it as like a gold rush tournament which i miss and i think should be a staple of wwe every year like the gold rush tournament was awesome and i think they should do tournaments more often especially as the sport gets more sporty and less Mm -hmm. promo heavy like i think you need those tournaments every few months or so um just to like showcase all of your talent 
and gave them a title shot, like what Jordan Miles is now doing on NXT against Adam Cole. It's going to be a great moment for right. him in two weeks. I think that is a, a missed opportunity uh, to not give the winner of this tournament a title shot on pay-per-view because I think that would just go a long way for someone you want to push. And also, like, I, I get worried about how they use the King of the Ring winners in the past. Like, they either go super goofy and just over-the-top jobberish or they go super serious and get a title. It, it's weird. There's no middle ground, um, which kind of scares me. Like, I... I just I think the two choices to me that stand to benefit the most is Buddy Murphy, who just what a great match against Daniel Bryan, or yeah. Cedric Alexander. Those are your two choices, and I think if you present both of them as top guys, and you could also sell me on Andrade um, as well, but I just I think one of those two should win, and I think you just run with it um, on a big pay per view and just give them a title match, and like they're. King of the Ring, and it makes sense of like they are young upstarts who are at the top of their game, and they earn their way into a title shot because that's just a very baby face thing of like they went through the ringer and they. It came definitely out on top. is, yeah. The true the history of this has been more. It works for baby faces and heels. Right. I think what you're bringing up is like a really good, larger philosophical debate of what this like King of the Ring now in today's WWE versus King of the Ring twenty years ago, right? Like or even more than that, probably like almost yeah, like 20 years ago, closer to 25, maybe like King of the ring. What it used to mean in the nineties and early two thousands essentially was if you win this, like it almost, they made it, they built it as such a great event and a great spectacle that you didn't need a carrot at the end of it. Like the tournament was the carrot. If you won King of the ring, that essentially was telling the audience, this person who was upper mid card is going to be a main eventer. Get ready for that. Um, I mean, Stone Cold was an example of it. But, you know, to me, the guy who always jumps out about it was Edge. They Edge won that tournament at the exact right time of when it was legitimized, when it was good for several years. And it sort of basically told everybody, Edge is going to be a thing. And just be ready for that. And that's, to me, like when I think about Buddy Murphy or Cedric Alexander, if, if the goal is to just give them a little bit of shine and move them up the roster a bit, then I agree with you. But if the goal is to say, and I think, like, conversely, a guy like Ricochet, I don't think needs it because Ricochet already has held a title and is being put in like, you know, main event slots. Like, I don't think Ricochet needs to be King of the Ring to legitimize it, even though we could then have an excuse to call him King Ricochet again, which is, you know, why not? What I That's going to happen one day. Yeah. That is what it doesn't I need to happen it, now. There are other options who could use that kind of push more than him. Right. Yeah. So that's what he used to mean. You fast forward to the last time they did this, they put it on Wade Barrett. And I was always a big believer in, like, they wasted everything they could have done with Wade Barrett. But they made it just goofy as hell. They did it what you exactly what you said they did, which is, like, you know, let's make this a, a laughable thing and it won't be anything we care about. If they are trying to legitimize it, they need to be something in between a Wade Barrett and a Ricochet. And to me, there are two options, one of which they're not going to do. One, the option they're not going to do, for sure, is, like, and again, like, you probably know where I'm going with this because I'm a big believer in this band, is just let, like, let Drew McIntyre just kick the ass of everybody who wrestles uh, and run through them and basically just announce like, yeah, he's coming for the main event now because yeah. that, I mean, if you want like a, a monster heel to put the belt on, who's just a mean evil dude who could wrestle and has the size and like the ferocity to kind of legitimize this. It's true. They're not going to do that. They're going to let Ricochet go over him, but you already named the other person sure? that this would work. I'm fairly sure. I feel like they're going to let Ricochet. See, I think Drew's going to win. I, I listen. I love both of them. Uh, 
I just feel like this is a thing. Like to me, this feels like a thing. I could totally see them just letting Ricochet win this. Um, and mm, you know, wait, great. It just gives them that match in general. The whole tournament. I could totally see them being like, let's mm. let Ricochet win. And I mean, listen, like if nothing else, it sort of furnishes him as a, like a main event guy even more. And they need more legitimate main eventers right. like a draw. So it's not bad. But the the guy who I think this really could work with, and you already mentioned him, is Andrade. That to me yeah. is, I mean, if and you him, give him like the way go- you do it with Andrade is he doesn't give a shit. Like he wins and he doesn't wear the hat. He doesn't put all that on. He just like immediately tosses it. And like, what I would do is like have Andrade be like, all right, now what, what does this mean? What do I get? Like put up that character of like, I just proved that I'm the best in this company. What now? Just refer to yourself That's, as El Rey. That, that'll yeah. be a thing. <laughs> what if he got referred hunt? to as like Andrade Cien Almas, like a full name? I would love that. But the WWE for some reason has decided that he no longer gets to have a last name or a nickname. That bothers but me. But if he is, if he, Not as much as Mustafa bothers, Ali, but it bothers me. Mustafa Ali getting me. dropped was the dumbest. Like, I, yeah. I still just can't fathom dropping the Mustafa part. Like, everything what, about he, it was perfect. Especially when, like, it happened right in the middle as he was getting over. Like, it's mm-hmm. one thing when you somebody's dead in the water or they've already been established. This was, like, in the middle of people starting to care about him. They're just like, yeah, we're going to change it right now. That didn't really compute. But um, El Rey Andrade could totally work and that's a thing where like that's mm-hmm. a deal where you can legitimize that guy like is he going to be a main event guy after this no but he's you're going to legitimize him as like if he walked in and won the won the united states title tomorrow or the ic title tomorrow would you be shocked no i mean well i guess the u.s title wasn't helping aj styles right because aj is a main eventer I'd, i always love when they do that i'd like it goes back to when triple h was you know teaming with austin and he was the ic champ like i love when you occasionally give main eventers like a run with the second title like that really to me Reminds people like, yeah, hey, this John is a mid card title. Brian, like it, right, it does, yeah. it, it benefits. They do, it they've done it way better then. with the US. They've done it way better with the US title in recent years than the IC title. Mm-hmm. But like, if, if Andrade showed up, because he's on SmackDown, if Andrade showed up and just knocked off Nakamura because Nakamura is getting nowhere with that belt. That belt is getting nowhere with him. But if Andrade wins King of the Ring, comes IC champ, then we're working with something. Then that's something where it's like, okay, you've legitimized this guy as like an upper mid card dude and somebody we need to care about. And maybe that main event push never comes, maybe it comes in two or three years, but at the very least we have to, and he matters. I feel like if you give it to Buddy Murphy, I just don't know if he's what you'll care about it, but I just don't know if that's like a fully legitimizing force for him. Maybe I'm wrong. He's a great wrestler. I love watching him, but um yeah, I don't know. I mean, the whole tournament is fun. I think obviously the thing of Raw that we all care about is probably the the Seth Braun thing. Um, that's kind of the fans care. What's that? The fans care. I mean, look, I'm that's the first time Raw went off the air with people celebrating and like being up on their feet in months, maybe years. Yeah, Paul Heyman. Man. Do you remember you know, the like, last time the show ended where it was just like the fans were into everything and they were all cheering universally? Uh, probably one of the Shield reunions. Mm. I mean, actually, like if you want a more specific time point, it was when Seth and Dean won the belts when Roman announced a leukemia, and they were very right, excited yeah. about that and a big emotional high. And then Ambrose, you know, DDT'd him, and then nothing came of it. But that night, that was the, the crowd was pretty hot that night. Um, but yeah, I mean, this Raw's been good the last few weeks. Like it was funny when they were, you know, when they were talking about Heyman and Bischoff running things, and like the disclaimer is, we really don't know to what degree this is their stamp on it versus other stuff. I have no idea, but. I've noticed changes since they've said these are happening. So you can presume that some stuff is changing, but like when people grouped like Heyman and Bischoff, it's like, all right, those are not the same thing. Like Paul Heyman's been involved in the business ever since ECW closed. He's run a SmackDown. He ran a really great promotion. He, his psychology and understanding of the business is really high. 
Uh, he's universally respected. And then you have Eric Bischoff, who like ran one of the richest wrestling companies into the ground. Like these are not the same thing. So when and it's you know you hear those rumors about oh SmackDown got rewritten. It's like well that doesn't entirely shock me. Whereas like Rosman Good, it's like okay I could see that. Like the dude knows how to make talent work. Like if there's one thing ECW was known for a lot of things, but one of the things that didn't get enough credit for towards the end is the roster kept bleeding talent and kept getting raided. It was like they always found ways to make new stars or make you know just wring every drop out of the roster they had and maximizing what they had and. Raw's got a long way to go to do that, but it's getting there. It's getting better. And so, yeah, like Monday people cared. And to me, and you can tell me if you disagree, to me, this totally seems like the, the Shawn Michaels Cena thing where they're going to team. And then this is really just setting up a, a pay-per-view match and it's going to be Braun and Seth because I don't know where else Seth goes. Oh yeah. That's where they're that, going. Absolutely. Yeah, We've seen I mean, this they, once a year in professional wrestling, the, Oh, will yeah. they, or won't they coexist? Tune in well, next I, week. But, well, and the thing is that they haven't even like set up that they can't coexist yet. It was just that moment of hesitation. Oh, that's coming. When Brock, this week. <laughs> yeah, that's coming. But, but like, well, I think what it really is going to be is like, because the, the main tip off they had for you was that moment of hesitation la- uh, last week when Braun took the belt and stared at it and there was that pause and then he handed it to Seth. Like that really is your tip off right there. But to me, when I look at this, I don't even think it's going to be like a coexist to will they or they won't they thing. I think what it'll be is I think they'll probably drop the belts I think they'll drop the belts back to I mean, this is how I would book it. You drop the belts back to Gallows and Anderson uh, with interference from Styles, whatever happens. Yes. Seth takes the Seth takes the pin. No, I don't even do interference. Bro- I do miscommunication and Prom okay. gets yeah, mad that, at Seth. Like Seth yeah, makes yeah, a dumb air or something like that, and they get the belts right. back. But they yeah, have to I mean, get yeah, the belts back. Yeah, I would hope. I mean, I, I was I, I like a lot of people. I was just getting more and more annoyed that they weren't doing anything with Gallows and Anderson for a long time. Also, and now that they have, I figured out what hmm. we could do with Cesaro. Put okay, him in the club. <sighs> the club no. needs to keep adding members. If you want to make this work on Raw, they need more than just being a trio. Keep adding. Players. Well, I, I keep waiting for them to pull the trigger on the bull, on the club civil war and have just an angle with like, you know, Balor versus Styles and Gals and Anderson caught in the middle. Like that's really where this needs to happen. Balor's right? getting married, so he's. Uh, I he's just I did see that. So it's not, I'm not I'm not saying it's happening anytime soon, but yeah. Right. Um. So yeah, I mean, I feel like this is where this is going to pay off. Is that it's going to be, you know, AJ versus or uh, Seth versus Braun, and like I don't think they're going to turn Seth. I think they'll turn Braun, and I don't know. I would love. I mean, I would love for them to finally give Braun the belt, but that's just becoming like a Cesaro and Sami Zayn thing where it's like, no, I just don't think they're going to pull the trigger on it. I remember getting into a lot of arguments about this. I guess this has been a year and a half ago now where people really believe that he was going to be the face of the company. He was super hot, super over. And um, we've had this talk guy. Though, like, and I was like, this is never going to, that was never going to happen. Vince was never going to look at him and be like, oh, you're going to be on today's show. No, that was never going to be a thing. But here's and... the thing, though. Like, we, we've talked about this. You don't have to make him the face of the whole company, but you could still give him a couple title reigns. Big Show's had the belt before. Kane had the belt before. Do you before. want that, though? I Do you think... want a Braun Strowman title reign? Do you want to see him wrestle main event pay-per-views? No, thanks. I, Hard pass, well, folks. I wanted him. I wanted him to go for Brock. I think everybody was tired no, of Brock. Brock the, is the crowd was... better. I, the, the, it doesn't matter what Brock can or can't do. It's one, does Brock want to wrestle long matches? I mean, he did it for Seth. Been, he, you know, he did it, but I don't think he, he did, did it for Brian. Were, if, you, if you look for the last several years, those happened twice a year. Uh, but two, the thing was that it doesn't even matter what you and I think about that. The crowd wanted it so bad. The crowd, mm-hmm. I mean, like, the crowd wanted that title change so bad and it wouldn't pay it off. And then everybody was getting more and more furious that they dragged the Brock thing out and then they did Brock Seth again. You could do this 
and make him a transitional champion. Now, the thing is that the tricky part with Strowman is the tricky part of Big Show, which I don't even think it has to do with like putting him on television. The tricky part is like so much of their appeal is making them into very big, like un, you know, unbeatable forces unless you, they lose by the but numbers game, destroys right? destroys everybody else in the roster. Remember that summer where he just, he squashed Kevin Owens, he squashed Finn Balor, oh, yeah. he was just squashing guys. You, right, and, and that's... And you're like, what is the point of this? Well, the point was you had to pay it off, and they didn't pay it off. Right. But now we're in this, this situation where it's tricky because for a while, when you keep him out of the title picture, that can work. But if you put him against a Seth Rollins, and how do you... How do you have Braun Strowman lose clean? Like, that's the question, right? I mean, even Brock, you know, a lot of Seth and Brock stuff was like Seth being like, fuck it, I'm just going to throw the rules out the window. I'll beat this guy, however I can beat him. We've established Braun as a force that is very difficult to beat. And yet we're in this boat where it's kind of like, well, he has to be beaten. So how do you do that? If you put him in a title program, how do you handle this to where he is someone you could believably lose but then believably lose in a way that keeps him with credibility because you look at him, you're like, the only way this guy can lose is if he's a tall moron. That's a really hard line to walk, harder than I think yep. people give WWE credit for. But I do think, like, at some point, if you want to keep making money off of him, you have to give him a transitional title, right? Just for, I mean, the guy's held, before this, before Monday, he held the tag titles once, and that's it. And he won with the child. And that sort of underscored the whole Braun conundrum of, like, Braun could win any title he wants. He's only held it, and like he won the tag titles by himself. So we're sitting there as an audience going, well, wait, why doesn't this happen all the time? Why doesn't he just enter himself in every title race and just win belts left and right? And it hasn't happened. And at some point, you can't do this forever with him because people will stop caring. You have to occasionally throw him a bone and let him win and let him climb the mountain and then be respected as this fearsome force. That's the whole point of why titles matter. And if we're going to do this again and put him on a title hunt again, like if we just let Seth beat him again, and like, and that's what they'll do. They'll just use Seth the way that they use Roman. Well, you also just can't have Seth drop the title again to another big guy right after he just had his crowning moment at SummerSlam beating Brock. I mean, that's you probably true. You can't do it. I wish I would have liked, I would have liked for this to happen later than what this will happen. Yeah. But it's, it's just, just too, be the, the timing's thing. not right. The timing isn't right at all. Like you need a transitional guy for Seth to beat, And, uh, they're not going to do that. And so then Braun's going to lose. So and you're saying Kane doing? needs to come back and put the mask back on to save the business. Uh, what I'm saying, actually, is I would love <laughs> it if Cena... I would love it if Cena did, like, a two-month program with him. Mm. I think Cena's basically retired, right? Isn't he said... Yeah, he is. Did, well, I, did I see a report about him, like, just being like, no, that this is it. I know The Rock basically said that it, his last match was yeah. Cena. That, that was it for him, but, like... The, the Rock had said it, but he's done. Nah, dude, they're not going to let... Cena ain't going to retire until he breaks Flair's record. Mm, he's, he's tied. Those days are gone. Uh, I don't think he's going to. It'll happen. It might really? be like a rock. It might be like a rock thing where he just goes over at Rumble, has one mid pay per view match, and drops at Mania. It'll happen. He'll come back and he'll break the record. I think. He I think. Care though. Do you remember that Rolling Stone piece uh, from a couple years ago profiling Cena, and they asked him like why he doesn't like have any like titles in his house and all this kind of stuff, and he was like, oh, those. Because it's it's scripted, like they don't mean anything to me. Like I I don't care, and it, it, it I don't think he cares. I think Vince cares. I think Vince when definitely Vince would care. Yeah, I think when Vince wants something to juice the ratings, and when Vince wants some history made, because I mean this is the man who like creates things like the Raw reunion just to get nostalgia out there, and mm-hmm. when he needs something, you know, from the past to juice people's attention, he will get Cena on television and let him break the record. He's not done. No way. Mm. 
I think he's done, but I could be wrong. Um, I just, yeah, I think that's, that's about all we can say about Braun. I just, I don't think it's going to go well, and I think he's going to lose, and then we're going to be back at square one with him, and then they're going to do the yep. same kind of thing six months from now. Like, I think this is yep. just never going to stop. And totally. that's part of the reason I'm frustrated with it. It's just we've we've seen this movie before, and we know, we know where it's going. Um, Raw moving NXT? to, or excuse me, uh, NXT moving to USA Wednesday nights. Um, I wrote about this last night. I, Which I read this morning, and I agree with a lot of what you're saying. But I'll let you mm-hmm. state your case here and just say that I'm I'm with you. Okay. No, go ahead. Like you've read it, parse through it. Let me know what what do you well, not agree with? Well, no, no. I say I do agree with you. I agree with. Well, no. I'm saying like, saying. is there anything you didn't oh. agree with? Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, the gist of Chase's piece for people who were sitting there going like, explain the piece, somebody uh, is just mm-hmm. the fact that like. This is a, a good upfront financial move, which is what Vince specializes in. In the bigger picture, this is just not a good idea. Um, you, I, I think some of what makes NXT NXT, the soul of NXT, is just going to be different in a live two-hour program. Some of it, as Chase very recently pointed out, is like when you pre-tape your shows, you can't alter course unless there's an injury. So you can't, like for better or for worse, if fans aren't digging something, you can't overreact to it. You have to see through it, and you have to pay it off. And takeovers are so good that invariably the big reason I watch NXT almost like I watch NXT every week. I do not watch Ron SmackDown every week. I'll, I'll watch the cutups. I'll watch if there's something I know I'm excited about. Some weeks I will watch all of it, but there just hasn't been the reason I don't is because for the last several years, there's just no guarantee that what I'm sinking my time into is going to pay off in any meaningful way. The best thing about NXT is that I know every week, like is your average one on NXT as good as like a good raw? No, it's not. But I know whatever I'm watching Either they're showing me some wrestler that will matter down the line, or they're building some feud that will pay off a takeover, and I know it'll be good. I know my time and my attention will be leading to something. There is zero guarantee of that on main, on main roster WWE, and part of that is because of its medals, but part of it's also live TV is hard and people you know, change course too often, and I think it is exceedingly likely that that will happen with a NXT, not just because it's on television in general, but because it's the only show going up against its only competitor in AEW. Like that will be the show that Vince will try to meddle with the most because if he sees, God forbid, if Turner is beating them in ratings, he will freak and he will totally change stuff. And that's just incredibly frustrating because this has been the best thing about WWE for years now. And so it's kind of, you know, and like, it just also, I think, sets those guys up to fail a little bit of like, mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're okay, you want to take on AEW. You're not taking AEW on with Raw, you're taking on with your developmental property. And yeah, the developmental property really has like guys who are as good as people on Raw and SmackDown. But mm-hmm. this is what you've branded it as for fans, that these guys are, you know, that you're getting introduced to them and you introduce them in a way that makes you attached to them so that if and when they fuck it up by moving them to Raw and SmackDown, at least you're going to you were to be invested in them because you cared when they did good things with them. And now like they might short short circuit all kinds of guys. Now the flip side is like, look, two hours means that you could develop a lot more people. I sit here. I am a very big Keith Lee person. I am so frustrated watching Keith Lee job to Damien Priest. I am so frustrated watching people on TV and being like, why is Keith Lee not on television? Keith Lee's ridiculous. Uh, you got two hours. No, you got to put Keith Lee on TV. But then you have to put, put a lot on of TV. people on TV. And that's, and that's great. One like, of the they signed make, eight people. Is, yeah, I don't know. I don't think that's great. What is? Just uh, two hours? Adding. so I Well, obviously the two hours part I think is a bad idea. But also just I think there is something nice about not knowing who's going to be on TV each week on NXT. 
Like that oh, is yeah, no, a, I agree with that too. a big well, point granted, there. Like, and like just Keith Lee just disappearing, and then you have that this week. Like he had that great uh, promo special vignette, whatever you want to talk, call it, with Dijakovic. And it uh, yeah. it was great. And I think that's going to be a good feud. It's going to be a good takeover match, all that kind of stuff. But like, I don't want to see Velveteen every week. I don't want to see the Undisputed Era every week. I don't want to see Johnny Gargano every week. Like, There's real value in NXT just being this place where it's like, I don't know who's popping up, who is going to be around. I just know it's going to be good. I know it's going to be short and sweet. I know it's going to be like three matches. I know it's going to be good. And they're going to save a lot of meat on the bone. And then we can uh, really enjoy it and a takeover in a couple months like that just that that system just works and they're shaking mm-hmm. something up that isn't broken and i also understand why they're like here's this money <laughs> we're gonna take it sorry <laughs> like that's gonna happen like that's just they are a business and they them saying no to usa network would have been foolish because the money's it just there and even, it's also just like even if- it's a valuable property even if I do, I think one of the points you made is going to be, it's very underrated, which is like seven hours of live TV every week from one company. You are going to like, I feel like they could sit there and worry about the ratings, but the reality is like, we've only got so many times and so much time in our weeks. Right. I feel right. like this just adds to the possibility that WWE just cannibalizes its own audience. And invariably you get people who are like, I don't have seven hours to invest. Maybe I do SmackDown this week, or maybe I do, Raw and NXT, or maybe it's SmackDown and NXT, and they just skip brands. Like I completely think about that every three months situation where we get Takeover on Saturday, a big SummerSlam type event on Sunday, Raw on Monday, SmackDown on Tuesday, NXT on with like they're like it's insane. Exhausting. And I do think there's a lot of smart value to AEW doing what AEW is going to do, which is just like we're not going to just burn through the damn house show circuit. Like you're going right. to have to watch us on TV. We're going to, you're going to have to watch us on pay-per-view. We're not going to shove this down your throat until you are sick of it. We are going to make sure that you get your fill, but you're going to keep wanting more. And also the extension and really the bigger picture for the labor of just being like, yeah, we're not gonna make you wrestle six days a week. We're, we're going to, you know, you're not going to kill your bodies doing this. So I do think, you know, I mean, it's like, yeah, I mean, AEW isn't really going to compete with them. They will, but they won't. I mean, and those guys know it too. Like, just WWE is a, the biggest. It's the biggest reason why Fox can't compete with ESPN, which is just the fact that ESPN is a cultural force. When you people know the Sports Center jingle, people who aren't sports fans assume sports is ESPN. How many times have you met someone who watches sports and they're like, "Oh, is ESPN on?" Same thing with wrestling. They just know WWE as wrestling. So, no matter how good AEW will be, and I think it will be quite good, you can't beat a cultural phenomenon like that. And they're so, not trying to. And that's what Jared not trying pointed to. out is like. The, it, this just and I wrote about this too is like it makes WWE seem a little insecure by doing this and like putting it on before AEW starts and all this stuff and it's like what are you worried about like it's not going to hurt your yeah. bottom line what is why are you freaking out about this kind of stuff and it's good for your product because guess what if AEW succeeds you can sign some of those guys in a couple years they might get tired of it and want to come back Sean Spears might be incredibly more valuable than he was as Ty Dillinger like that you want them to succeed yeah. in a some capacity because those wrestlers become more valuable. Like that's part of the part of the appeal. Also, I think it will hurt like some of the best jolts that they that when Ron Smackdown gets stale that they depend on every year is we're gonna call up a new NXT thing. And yeah, they don't tend to pay it off very well, but it's consistently like, oh my God, they're up. We've never seen them a main roster thing. Well now NXT is a main roster thing. It's not gonna matter as much if Gargano moves to Raw. Nobody's gonna care. Nearly the same way they would if they moved him up after he lost uh, to Cole you know, a couple of weeks ago. So you lose that aspect of it too. So I don't know. I mean, it's, I think it will be worse for them overall. I, as somebody who loves NXT, uh, am not 
too excited about this, but you know, Hey, let's, let's hope for the best. That's a good way of wrapping up here. All right, Mike, what can we read from you on the athletic this week? Uh, I, so I am with the athletic Dallas and I covered mm-hmm. things down here. I just went speaking of Instagram properties. Uh, they unveiled the XFL's, uh, Dallas mm-hmm. team. So I went, he, I went to that and I was like, yeah, I think I know what the story is going to be. I'll do a quick thing, whatever. And I noticed a group of football players, uh, towards the back. And I just, you know, that an XFL draft is not until October. These people do not have jobs. And so I just started talking to them and sort of recrystallized like the real impact of this, which is like, good players to get a chance. Like one of the guys was, you know, caught a hundred passes at Oklahoma state a few years ago and like was, uh, I think second team, all big 12, really good player, played with the Titans, just doesn't, doesn't have a place to go. And I was talking to different people and I talked to the guy who was Dak Prescott's college roommate and his very close friend and sort of built a whole story around this guy who is, uh, his name is Derek Milton played at Mississippi state before going to McNeese state. And sort of the idea of the XFL is hope and the XFL, you know, what it's like to try and need one of these leagues to work for its own sake. So a little bit about that. Nice little story. Uh, I've got some bigger picture things coming up there. I'm um, not sure when the next wrestling thing uh, will be or if it will be, but if that happens, you know, I'll be back here. All right. Sounds good. Mike, always a pleasure, sir. Um, don't be Thank you, Chase. Oh, you, you give me a call. I'm, I'm now that I have a job that I'm hopefully going to be in for a while. I will, uh, things will be a little more stable. We can, we can chop it up a little more. Okay. Sounds like a plan. All right, Mike. All right. Thank you, sir. Talk to you later. All right. That'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. Thank you again to our presenting sponsor, Ponko Chicken. Um, thank you again to all of my awesome guests for coming on the pod. Um, and don't forget, if you like today's episode and you are an Apple podcast listener, please leave us a five-star rating and a review. It helps. Um, you can also find us on Google Play, Spotify, Um where you can access all of my previous episodes and read all my work. So chase someone's podcast slash page hyphen 11. Um, so go do that. Read all my stuff. Listen to the podcast. Um, all that good stuff. Uh, also follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore Thomas. Uh, like the Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. And uh, also follow me on Instagram at chase double underscore Thomas. All right. Thanks so much, guys. And I will have another episode for you very soon. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah.